Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. It's, uh, it's so good to be here and uh, yeah, thank you so much. Just I feel like I've been given a warm hug, you know, and I just feel really loved and uh, so thank you. Love you, Global Heart Church Perth. Appreciate you. Yeah, it's my absolute privilege uh, to share with you. Hey, why don't you grab your seats and... Um, yeah, I just wanted just to first of all, just honour Pastor Jared and Sue, just to say thank you so much for all you've sown into Leah and me. You know, Leah rededicated her life in this church. You know, she, she came in, recommitted her life to Jesus, you know, and, uh, and then you've sown into us over many, many years. You know, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing without you, Pastor Jared. And so we so appreciate your trust in us. And also we so appreciate your continual backing of us. Like you've just been out in Montreal with us. You know, it was minus 36 when you were there. So that means you're serious. Yeah, and... Uh, and uh, yeah, we, we so appreciate you, Pastor. We actually prayed. I got the church to pray. Yeah, yeah, honour Pastor and Sue. Yeah. And I actually, it, well, it hasn't been that cold. And I, in fact, they keep telling me this is one of the warmest winters ever. So it's like God's breaking me in gently. And uh, I said before Pastor would come, let's pray. It gets really cold. So I led the church in a prayer. We prayed. And sure enough, when he came, it hit minus 36 that week. Come on. Come on. So he, uh, we, we defrosted him, put him on the plane, sent him back to you. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, when I go, I go for, I like to go for prayer walks and uh, around where I, I live in uh, Montreal, you know, I, I like to go for prayer walks and the birds there are like tweet, tweet, tweet. They're quite kind of polite. And there's like, you might see a little chipmunk go across, you know, or maybe a skunk or something. But uh, I was walking down my dune up lake. It's like, arr, 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 arr. I was like, whoa, massive kangaroo jumps out the bush just in front of me. I was like, welcome home. Yeah, welcome home. Yeah, wow. It's, uh, yeah, had to get ready. You know, everyone in, uh, in uh, Canada, they're scared to come to Perth because there are other sharks everywhere. Like, as soon as you put your foot in, snakes jumping out at you. You know, it's like, how did you survive? You know, like, people literally are like, how did you make it out? You know, it's like, it's funny, hey? It's so funny, the perceptions that people have. Hey, how good was Rise and Stand? Wow, man, I loved being a part of it. Let me tell you, there's so many things that you take for granted, that, that I've taken for granted. I've gone away, I've come back, and I'm like, oh, wow. I'm in awe of what God's doing, what he's done, what he continues to do, you know. And just to see all those men leaning into Jesus, it was powerful. Like, it, it, it rebuilt faith in me. I could feel faith, like, you know, getting pumped up as I was in that environment. I really want to encourage you, man, make sure you get your ticket for next year, 2024. I'm believing next year to absolutely come back, but I'm hoping to bring some guys with me. So appreciate you praying for me. Let's believe for that, hey. Let's believe for that. Let's believe for that. Why not? And um, yeah, why don't you uh, be a part of that? Hey, just wanted to uh, let anybody know who doesn't know the kind of backstory. So we've gone to uh, Montreal, which is a city in Quebec in Canada. And uh, Quebec is a French province. So it's English and French, but the majority of people would speak French. Where we are in Montreal, everyone's bilingual, so that's all good. But the minute you step outside Montreal, it's just French. And so you have to speak French. So I'm learning a little bit of French. So here's my favorite line so far in French, Dieu est bon. Dieu est bon. Can you say it back to me? It means God is good. Come on. Come on. Come on. And what's so interesting about Quebec is, is there's 0.7% of the population are Bible-believing Christians. 
That means 99.3% aren't. So there's 99.3% of the population yet to reach. Come on, come on. And so that's why we're there, right? That's why we're there, because Global Heart doesn't go to the easy places. It goes to the places God calls it to go, calls us to go. And uh, we want to go to take the gospel, you know? And it's interesting, because when you get there, people tell you, oh, yeah, it's hard to do church here. And uh, people tell you encouraging things like, this is the least generous place in the whole of North America. <laughs> people love to tell you that. They've, they give less to charity in Quebec than the rest of the North America. You're the lowest place. In the, you know, and other things like this. But you know what's so incredible is that the gospel penetrates all cultures. Yeah. The gospel penetrates all cultures. And so when we're preaching, I'm just finding people are just responding. Like, it's just, it's just crazy. Like, as soon as, the, you gotta, we really got to encourage Christians to bring people because they can be very nervous. They have this kind of insular mindset. But as soon as anybody new comes to church, the first time they come, they nearly always respond. So they don't come three, four times and kind of check it out. They're just, the minute they hear it, bang, their hands straight up. Because they've never heard the gospel. They've never heard the message of Jesus. And so it's so encouraging. Guys, called Kevin he went to visit some family of his uh, around Christmas time and they took him to church and he was like wow I'm, I'm, I'm I, this is this is interesting you know and he kind of got something stirred in him so he came along to church first service he came bang raised his hand made a decision for Jesus we got him straight on the team helping serving he now helps us set up doing lights and other things hey another lady in the area I, again she just kind of felt this uh, prompting to kind of google church she did not have a church history she's a French teacher uh, in, the, in the local area where we are. She came into church. As, she, as, as soon as she heard the preaching, she began to be stirred and then bang, her hand went straight up. She gave her life to Jesus. She said to me, I'm, I'm coming next week. I'm bringing my daughter. And then she brought her daughter and she was so sincere that she said to me a couple of weeks later, hey, I've spoken to my partner and he's not open to Jesus. Do you think I should separate from him? And I was like, wow. I was like... <laughs> Maybe not, let's rush into these things. I said, let's try to win him for Jesus. But, but, like, but what she was saying was, hey, I'm going for God now. Like, I'm really, this is serious. So it wasn't like I'm just responding, I feel you know, happy in the moment. It was like, I'm all in for Jesus. Or do I need to let go of things that cause me to stumble? You know, is that my partner? I'm like, wow, come on. So God is really moving. God is really moving. So I want to encourage you. Thank you for all that you're doing to allow us to do that. You know, thank you for your prayers. You know, thank you for your encouragement. Hey, do not downplay. If you go on our social media and you put a comment, don't downplay that. It encourages people. People see it. They feel they're not alone. We feel we're not alone. And also thank you so much for those that have given through Heart for the House and through missions. I just really want to encourage you. Keep fulfilling those faith promises because they're allowing us to do what we can, we're doing. So thank you. Thank you. You know, and on behalf of those 99.3% of people who are yet reached, thank you. You know, thank you for taking the gospel to Quebec. And I just know God wants to do something incredible. Hey, so when we got uh, there, when we first uh, started to gather people, the first meeting, 55 people. And uh, now we've got about 250 people regularly coming to church. Yeah, come on. They're not all coming every week, right? But they're regularly coming to church, regularly coming to church. So we're encouraged. We've got 80 people now on the Global Heart team. You know, when we got there, there was 10 people serving. Yeah, so we've got 80 people serving now. Yeah, and God's doing all kinds of good things. And so thank you for all that you're doing. Hey, we're running Alpha. We've got 18 people doing Alpha. Come on, which is good. We're, gonna do, we're doing Alpha physical, Alpha online. And in the physical Alpha, you can do it in French or English. Yeah. 
And um, just one final thing. So there's lots of things I could share, but just one final thing is um, Pastor Joe really felt prompted by God that we needed to make sure that in our services there was French and there was English. And so our, when you come into Global Heart Church Montreal, you'll see BM View on the screen, which is welcome in French. You'll then see it in English. You'll see our signages in French and English. When we do the announcements, there's French version and then a translation into English. When we do prayer, we, pr- we pr- share the prayer requests in English and we pray for them in French. You know, during the worship, praise and worship, we'll have uh, parts of songs or whole songs, if we can, that are in French. And so we're just bringing the French more and more into our service. The, yeah, yeah. And um, what's really encouraging about that is that it really means a lot to the Quebecois peoples. That's the people who speak French at home, the native French speakers. It means so much to them that actually we're giving honour and dignity to their culture, you know. And so they know we can't, I can't preach in French, I'm preaching in English, they're very gracious. But it means that, that they're saying, hey, we, we fit here, we're a part of here. What you have in Montreal is you have French churches and you have English churches, you don't have it mixed. And so what we're doing is being the first breakthrough church that actually brings that, which is really special. And so we're seeing Quebecois people People saved. That, that lady I told you about, another guy called Anton, I think partially might have told you a bit of his story. He got saved. So we're seeing French speakers reach, which is fantastic. Hey, come on. Come on. God's good. So just before I get into the message, I want to just show you just a quick little recap reel. And I just want you to bear in mind when you see this reel, this person in our church, it's the first time they've ever edited something. So be gracious to us. We're not up to your standards, right? We've got to work with what we've got, people. And so, but, uh, but she did a great job first time she edited something. So just check this out. How good is God? How good is God? Dieu est bon. Dieu est bon. Hey, Easter's around the corner. And so with that in mind, I thought I'd preach to you tonight on the last words of Jesus. The last words of Jesus. Is that good? Can we, I'm getting you ready for Easter. It's just next weekend, people. So we need to get ready. And so I, I want to share with you the last words of Jesus. It's so interesting that if you've ever had the privilege of being around somebody right at the end of their life, just as they're about to transition from this life, you know, as they're about to leave earth, if you ever have that time with people, you'll often find that the, the, the things they say are very meaningful. So, for instance, you might have a, an elderly man who whispers in his son's ear, hey, son, I love you and I'm proud of you. And yet he's never uttered those words in his life until that point. It's like there's something about death that brings a clarity to a person about, hey, I need to now say the things that I should have said before, the things that really matter to me. 
You know, it can be, there can be a lady that's passing away and she calls for her sister who she's not spoken to in 30 years and she says, would you please forgive me? And would you, can we be restored? You know, it's incredible what can happen in a person's last moments. In fact, you can find people through life who say, no, nope, not interested in God, not interested in God. And then at the very end of their life, suddenly their hearts are very soft and they say, yeah, I want to pray a prayer. I want to give my life to Jesus. And so at the end of someone's life, the things they say are usually true. They're usually the things that are very important to them, very dear to them. They're things that they think, I must say these before I depart. So how important is it that we listen to the last words of Jesus? You know, so obviously Jesus is transitioning from his life on earth, fully human, fully God, but he's going to transition into eternity. But the reality is his physical presence of being here is going to change. He's He's not going to be having that anymore. And so he says these words, and so they're so important. So I want us to have a look at them. But to get the context of what's happening, to really understand, hey, what was, what, you know, how hard was it for Jesus to speak? You need to understand the circumstances. So what we're going to look at, these seven things, they're in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in the Bible. They're called the Gospels. And so they record the life of Jesus. And between them, they record these last things that he says. And what happens is that just before Jesus speaks these things on the cross, he's already been arrested and he's been what's called scourged, which means he's been whipped. And when they whipped people with scourging, it was like a whip with three kind of um, pieces coming off of it. And on the end was either bone or lead. So they would whip a person, you know, with that. It was classed as so inhumane that Roman citizens could not be punished in that way. It was only non-Roman citizens that could suffer that kind of punishment. In fact, in some regions in, in Rome, only slaves could be inflicted with that. And so that's how Jesus was, was whipped. And the church historian Eusebius of Caesarea in his book Ecclesiastical History recounts with vivid detail a scene of scourging. And he says this, For they say that the bystanders were struck with amazement when they saw them lacerated with scourges, even to the innermost veins and arteries, so that the hidden innerward parts of the body, both the bowels and their members, were exposed to view. Wow. Wow. So that's what Jesus went through. And then it was after that that he's hung upon a cross. Now, crucifixion, what happens in crucifixion is that your arms are stretched out on the cross like that and your feet on some kind of little platform and what happens is that your whole body wants to sag down but to breathe you have to lift yourself up to inhale and so on the cross it's almost impossible to get a full lungs worth of breath you know you've got to kind of push yourself up with your legs breathe in to take that breath and so if you want to speak it's extraordinarily difficult to do that and so we can be sure that the words that Jesus said, he meant to say. That the words that Jesus said were very powerful and life-changing words if you tune your ear to hear them because they would have been excruciatingly costly for him to utter them. And so it says this, the first thing that Jesus says in Luke 23, 34 is this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do. This is about nine in the morning, and the soldiers have scourged Jesus. They've nailed him to the cross. They're mocking him. The Bible says they're gambling for his belongings. And it's to them that he says, Hey, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. Wow. Some of us 
We've been hurt by people, family or people in our history. We need 10 years of therapy before we can come to a place where we say, I'm now ready to forgive. <laughs> come on, people. You know, we, seriously, we need, we need some time, right? And, you know, and we encourage people, hey, it takes time to forgive. It takes time. Jesus, as he's been beaten and mistreated and hung upon, as it's happening, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Wow. Wow, not some time later, as it's happening. As it's happening. This is incredible. This is incredible. You know? Huh. I want to encourage you that if Jesus can forgive them, he can forgive you. Sometimes people will say to me, hey, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. Well, I tell you what, I know you didn't beat Jesus to death almost, whip him, put him on a cross, hang him and be responsible for his death. I know that. And so it doesn't matter what you and I have done. It doesn't matter how far from God you feel you are. Jesus, if you'll turn to him, says, I forgive you. I forgive you. I accept you. God's so merciful. It's, it's just, it's incredible. You know, God is like, he's, he's completely just, yet he's completely merciful. And that's what's happening on the cross. You know, the, the justice of God and the mercy of God is being hung upon the cross. What does that mean? It means that all the wrongs that people do, the way that we harm one another, and if you look at the world, you don't need to be convinced that the world's messed up and people are hurting one another. Jesus says that's wrong. And there's a consequence for that. And everybody, even if they're not held accountable in this life, one day they will. So dictators and people who just seem to get away with it, one day they're going to face the judgment of God. So Jesus is completely just, yet he's so merciful and loving and gracious. So what does he do? He puts himself upon a cross, willingly goes to the cross, so that he might pay the punishment that we deserve, that our punishment might be upon him. Wow. Wow. So all of those people that have done harm in the planet, they actually if they put their faith and trust in Jesus, that when they transition into eternity and they come face to face with God, they can say, hey, Jesus took the price for all my wrongs. He paid my debt in full. That's what the cross is about. That's why Jesus went there. He knew, hey, I'm going to take the debt for the whole sin of the world. The people might be free. And this is the thing, not just free in eternity, but God wants us free now. God wants us free now. There's something so beautiful and yet so horrendous about the cross. You know, it's barbaric, it's horrendous, yet there's this beautiful thing that's taking place if you can see it, if you can see it. And the second thing that Jesus says is around 11 a.m. in the morning. He says this in Luke 23, 43. Truly I tell you today... You will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. There's two criminals hanging on crosses either side of him. There's a criminal here, there's a criminal here, and there's Jesus in the middle. And it says this, reading from Luke 23:39. One of the criminals who were hanging railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are, an, are, you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly? For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, Truly I tell you today, 
you will be with me in paradise. Wow. Wow. It's, it's, it's just remarkable. You've got three people on a cross, two criminals in exactly the same situation. One of them is, is railing at God. You know, what? get yourself off the cross and get us off the cross if you're really God. And the other one is in the same circumstance and says, wow, wow, please remember me as you transition into eternity. Man, I deserve to be here, but you don't. He gets a revelation. It's incredible how two people can be in exactly the same space. And one has a life-changing revelation who Jesus is, and the other person's got not a clue. In fact, tonight, you can be here tonight, and one person can be, there can be two people sitting next to each other, and one gets a revelation. Wow, I can see it. Wow, God loves me. God's for me. He will forgive me. He's got a plan, a purpose, a destiny for my life. And the person next to them is saying, what are we having for dinner? <laughs> come on, come on. One person's getting a revelation. One person's getting a life-changing moment. And the other person's thinking, what are we doing after church? Come on, people, am I preaching or what? Come, do I need to translate into French or are you getting this? Oh, come on, come on. Two thieves, one has a revelation of who Jesus is and the other does not. Hmm. Same circumstance, completely different outcomes. One from that revelation transitions into, into an eternity with God and the other one an eternity without God. You know, and it's like that. It's like that. You know, I've walked with people in my life and I come from a backstory where I was a drug addict and I made lots of bad choices and I've walked with people and, and you know, we've walked together and then I've had this revelation of Jesus and he started to move in my life. He's forgiven me my sins. He starts to take me on this new journey. And I've gone one way and they've gone the other. And I think, wow, it's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I could see, you know, enough to choose you. You know, now I look at my life because it's like at the beginning when I first knew Jesus, we didn't look that different. But I now look over 24 years of knowing Jesus. I'm like, oh, wow, the difference is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Jesus makes such a difference in your life when you make a decision to invite Him in, to open up for Him. You're gonna, your life's going to take a whole different path. You're going to be a whole different person. I'm not the person that I used to be. You know, I'm not doing the things I thought I would do. I mean, the things I love to do now, I, I, I thought I would hate. It's just it's amazing, isn't it, how we think we know best and yet we know nothing. God knows everything. Come on, somebody. The third thing Jesus says in John 19, 26, he says, Woman, behold your son. Woman, behold your son. The full passage says this. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. I love that because you know it says the disciple whom he loved. It's the author that's writing this. So he's saying, yeah. <laughs> he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. What was Jesus doing? He's making sure someone's going to look after my mum. You know, wow, and this shows his, the fullness of his humanity. And it shows his mercy and his compassion and his love. You know, she, Mary would have been in her late 40s or 50s, a widow with no income. And so he's saying, hey, would you take care of her? You know, he's making sure things are taken care of. The first three things that he says on the cross are all loving and caring for, for other people. 
He doesn't say anything about himself. He's completely focused upon others. I mean, if there's ever a time for your attention to be on yourself, it's when you're being tortured on a cross. You know, most of us have trouble getting the attention off ourselves and we're living in the comfort of Perth, Western Australia. You know what I'm saying? Jesus is like considering other people in the most challenging point of his existence. Incredible. Incredible. At about 12 p.m., it says that the sky went completely dark. And the fourth thing that Jesus said in Matthew 27, 41 was, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, sin separates people from God. Come on, sin separates people from God. And the results of the sins of the world being placed upon Jesus meant that he experienced separation from God. You know, and so he is crying out in that moment, God, God, why have you forsaken me? Because he's never known to not have God close. He's never known what it is to not have God right there, right with him. Like, you know, many of us, you know, before Jesus, we experienced that. And then after we experienced his closeness. But Jesus had never lived his life without him, you know. And we try to avoid suffering in this life. But the greatest suffering is a life without God. The greatest suffering is a life without God. And here's why we know that, because Jesus is suffering in the ultimate way, right? But he doesn't say, oh, the pain, the agony. Here's what he says, God, God, why can I not feel you close? Wow. And so you and I, we do so many things in the Western world to avoid pain. And yet the greatest cost, the greatest pain ultimately is not knowing God. You're not knowing God. We get our priorities all wrong. We get them all wrong. Come on. Am I preaching? Separation from God is not what God intends. He doesn't intend it. It's like Jesus, oh, he's not close because God intends to be close to you and I. You should know that God is with you, that in your everyday life, he's guiding you, that he's speaking to you, that he's closer than a brother, closer than a husband, closer than a wife. You don't need to get married if you've got Jesus. Seriously, you don't need family if you've got Jesus. You you don't need a relationship if you've got the relationship, you know, because Jesus can bring everything to you and I that we need. But he's so good, he often brings other things too, right? He often brings other things too. But he's saying, hey, God, why have you forsaken me? He's acknowledging, man, we need God close. The next thing he says in John 19, 28, he says, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. He says they put this sour, this sponge of sour wine on a hyssop branch. They lifted it to him to drink. And I believe that Jesus was probably asking for a drink in order to wet his parched mouth and throat so that he could proclaim in a loud voice the final thing he was about to say. And so they lift that to him. And he says, I'm thirsty. You know, he's also alluding to here something much greater because when he says God why have you forsaken me now he's also spiritually thirsty and so for you and I you know you're spiritually thirsty because you're looking to be filled by things and they never fully deliver you know in our life we live our life in such a way that we're thinking I'll get that I'll be happy when I attain that when I get that promotion when I get married when I have a kid we're always thinking when I get that we're always trying to get to a place of arrival and when I get that thing when I get that thing when I get that thing when the place of arrival is a relationship with Jesus that's the place of arrival right and then everything else takes its right place and suddenly God can bring me things but I'm not they don't own me 
I own them. Because now I know I've got the primary thing that I'm looking for in life. It's so interesting. Jesus says this phrase in the Bible. He says, I'm the bread of life. What, what's he saying? He's talking into the culture that he's in, in the Middle East. And he's saying, hey, what's the thing you always have on your plate? And the, the central thing was bread. So he said, hey, that's what I am. If he'd, if he'd been having his ministry in China, he would have said, I'm the rice of life. If he'd had his ministry in Ireland, he would have said, I'm the potato of life. Come on. If he had his ministry in Australia, he would have said, I'm the beetroot of life. I don't know, because we put beetroot on everything. But, but you know, it's like he, he's saying, right? Here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, you can do without a lot of things in life, but you can't do without me. You can do without a lot of things in life, but you can't do without me. Come on. He's saying that actually we look at all of these places trying to kind of quench our thirst, but ultimately it's going to be found in Jesus. And so maybe you've tried many things. I want to encourage you, try Jesus. Try Jesus. Two more things. The next thing he says, the sixth thing he says, I love this. John 19.30, he says, it is finished. What is he saying? He's saying, all the work the Father sent me to do, Jesus is saying, all the work the Father sent me to do is now finished. All of humankind through faith in Jesus can now be forgiven through relationship. Come on, through faith in Jesus. People could now walk free from the effects of sin. He's saying it's finished. It's finished. Hey, what's he saying over your life is finished? What's Jesus declaring over your life? It's finished. It's finished. Friend, what's binding you? Jesus says it's finished. What's defeating you? It's finished. That guilt, the shame, the regret, Jesus is saying it's finished. Sickness, it's finished. Separation from God, it's finished. My old life, it's finished. Going from relationship to relationship to relationship, trying to find what you can only find in God, it's finished. Come on, it's finished. There's things tonight, there's people here tonight, you need to say it's finished. I'm laying down, I'm surrendering, I'm opening up my life to God. I've tried it my way, I now want to try it His way. Come on. You know, I, I was a heroin addict and I put my faith in Jesus and He said, it's finished. The addiction is finished, you know? Come on. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Jesus doesn't just wave a magic wand. Some things He just finishes. So the minute I gave my life to Jesus, I never took another drink or a drug. But I struggled with other things in my life, other addictions, other challenges that I had to work through over a period of time. So, so some things Jesus breaks like that. He says it's finished now. Other things He's going to take you on a journey to get you free. But ultimately over our lives, it is finished. And here's what I can promise you. When you transition into eternity, it will be completely finished. <laughs> no more sickness, no more death, no more suffering, no more pain, no more sickness. The final thing Jesus says, Luke 23, 46, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Wow. What does this mean? It means no one took Jesus' life. The cross didn't take His life. The scourging didn't take His life. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus surrenders His life. Jesus chooses to give His life. Here's why we know this to be true. Because at any moment, Jesus could have called down an army of angels, 
wipe out these Romans. Let's get me out of this. You know, he'd healed every sickness and every disease. He could have got himself off that cross and healed himself and carried on. <laughs> He's God. He has all capacity, all power, all, all ability. And yet he humbles himself so greatly that those he created, he allows them to torture him, beat him, harm him. But then at the end, he says, I give my spirit to God. So Jesus chose to die for you. No one took his life. No one took his life. He laid it down that you and I might live. Jesus laid down his life that you and I might live. He went down that we might get up. Come on, his life finished that ours might begin. Friend, God loves you and He's for you and He's just a prayer away. He's just a prayer away. How won't you stand with Him? We're going to stand together right now. Hey, but stay, stay focused. Stay focused. Hey, friend, God loves you and He's for you. He's calling you, calling you tonight, calling you home to Him. Some people, He's saying, it's finished. It's finished. It's stuff now. It's time to draw a line in the sand. It's like, I'm going now for God. God loves you. There's other people you can held back by wrongs you've done. You know, shame and guilt. Jesus says, I died for that. Give it to me. Bring it to me. I want to forgive you. I want to set you free. I want to heal you. There's other people you keep looking all the time for things in life to fill you, but nothing really satisfies. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.